The title of the Dharma talk this morning is Personal Forms, so that covers a lot of area. Simple forms that we, mundane forms that we have all the time, have been having since we were very young, brushing your teeth, going to the store, ways of eating, and so on. Very, some of, some of those forms are very ritualized, and very, as the saying goes, very formal. And then uh, others are more, excuse me, more loose and keep getting kind of reinterpreted as you see what's arising around and what you need to accomplish. But they're mundane forms. How to fix a flat. How to uh, wash a car. How to, uh, uh, just on and on, we could go on. I could do the rest of the talk just listing things and you could help me. But we won't do that. It's just the idea that there, there's usually some kind of mundane goal or something we're trying to get to. We have different ways of doing that. Some of those are highly sophisticated, as you know. People who are using their uh, abilities, their minds, their thinking process uh, to actually track things down in various ways to come up with certain kinds of uh, results, produce certain effects actually get into the area we call karma, or cause and effect, and manipulate it so that we can get something, or we can stop something, or so that we can get something to just leave town. Anybody ever left town? Because of someone else's plans? It's probably no joke there for you. So the mundane forms we do, we're taught that, and sometimes we rebel against it, or sometimes we actually use that as a way of setting up our 11-year-old identity. So shows up lots of different ways. And this is not separate from all of the karma that you bring into this lifetime, from the shape of your nose to your height to your sexual orientation, uh, biologically and uh, psychologically, physically. Culturally, those are always moving around in different ways. So those those kinds of forms have some kind of uh, strategy that has to do with plus and minus, up and down, back and forth, cause and effect, and uh, we're looking for results of some kind, probably. Spiritual path or the supramundane path or is about not so much about getting something else to happen. It is, if I may say it this way, it's about what is this situation fundamentally? Before anyone has an idea about anything, what is this? And is it is it something you can even ask? This shows up in different ways. In the theistic tradition, it's kind of about emphasis on an other, on a creator. Uh, um, consciousness or activity or some kind of something that's coming from someone else, somewhere else and affecting you, creating you, destroying you, giving you help or taking that help away, condemning you, however you want to characterize it. Not wrong. I'm not here to, we're not looking for right and wrong. If you're looking for right and wrong, then you, just to say it relatively, you drop down a couple notches on whatever path it's on. Right and wrong means you've bought into a fundamental imputation or 
um, belief that things are actually separate. and You can get ahead in life. You can't get ahead in life. If you think you can, you'll suffer eventually. Not that you're not suffering now. So the personal forms that I want to emphasize, and we can discuss it in different directions, the personal forms I want to emphasize, this needs to be up to you, not up to me. I'm not a guru. I'm a Dharma teacher. I've studied with gurus and with Dharma, other Dharma teachers, and my understanding is coming from that, how I understood that. I uh, understand it a little bit differently, maybe, than some do. Again, it's not about right and wrong. It just, that just sucks up so much energy trying to find out what you should do, what you shouldn't do. If you're trying to make a choice between two things, don't do anything. Because all you're doing is bringing in all the causes and conditions you really had no say-so about, like to even be born in the first place, and trying to control those. I would say this very... Bluntly. Knock it off. Don't do that. Just look. Just see what your life is. You may need forms to do that. You may not. The very simplest form would be, as far as meditation practice or training the mind, would be sit down. You can strike a water glass with a spoon. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have all this. Hold still. Stillness. All the senses open. Don't add. Don't add, subtract, divide, unless you have to. And begin to deepen that part of consciousness that is the space in which things occur, the space in which the objects, ideas, thoughts, emotions, memories, all of the, uh, in the Buddhist tradition, sometimes called habit energies or vasanas, stuff. How it got there, we don't know, but here it comes. And sometimes the ego's self-centered mind responds to that by, I don't deserve this. I don't have this coming. This shouldn't be happening to me. Why is this person over here getting all the good things? And they're, they didn't do anything to deserve that. Constant chatter about everything. No comment. Don't make any comments. Stop elaborating on it. Elaborating on everything. Or not. Do whatever you want to do. But if you're in this room listening to me, you're giving me permission to talk to you for the next half hour. And whatever you do with that is up to you. Don't do anything with it. I sometimes say, and I'm saying now, don't believe a word I say. Don't believe anything. Don't believe anything anybody says. But don't disbelieve anything anybody says. You take a position on something before you've even given it some space to be there. Then you've... Uh, all investigation about that situation comes to a halt. You may need to use forms, as we do here in this monastery, to give you a really strong uh, structure, sometimes a, called a container, so that you can bring your spinning, swirling, um, conflicted mind, emotions, memories, and so on, so you can bring them into a container that relatively is safe from everything. Probably not from uh, motorcycles going by or sirens or people coming in and banging things around in the kitchen. So you might get interrupted by your ideal meditation, state of meditation where you're in samadhi. If, if that looks like sarcasm, it is. 
don't try to look for something else. Don't try to find a state, even though some teachings and teachers and so on have been talking about this forever. If you want to approach it that way, go, go listen to them. They don't have to be here. But if you want to hear how it looks to me, I say, less is better. Sit down, hold still, a couple times a day, a couple times a week, all week long. And watch what moves, because what moves on a very basic level is your self-centeredness trying to promote itself, trying to protect itself, and sealing yourself off from the ultimate reality that this is. The, the way I refer to the ultimate reality in a relative way is to say it is not separate. It doesn't mean it's all one either. That's a misunderstanding. That's, that's ego propaganda. And you could say, well, isn't not separate ego pop propaganda? Probably. But you've got to say something. And that seems to be uh, three-sixteenths of an inch closer to, if there is such a thing as closer, to what it is that you need to see in order to be, in order to regain your sanity. What is sanity? Simple way of saying that. Again, a relative way. No more warfare. You're no longer at war with this. You're no longer at war with that. No matter how warlike something is coming at you, you don't fight with it. You probably should step aside. But no more battle axes or spears or swords. A personal form, the personal form that you need, if you really look at it, you, you may not need to meditate at all. I'm not here necessarily to say everyone should do this. I certainly had to do quite a bit of it. In order to, simple way, wind down and stop trying to find something else, find something else. Maybe this will work, maybe that will work. Don't gamble with your life, live your life. Don't miss your life. Whoever, whatever is happening is it. Whatever's happening to you this moment, right now, is fundamentally not separate. And this means any kind of uh, irritation that's coming up in your mind or any kind of judgment that you're projecting onto this old man, uh, that's not separate. It's not incorrect. It's just forms. Sometimes this is called, in the midst of the passion, to see that, it, that this is just form is dispassion. It doesn't mean you don't have feelings. Dispassion isn't some kind of stoicism. Some kind of somebody who never feels anything anymore because they've become enlightened. It may be even more intense. You may have incredibly intense karma that needs to come through this thing I'll call a walkway. Open the doors and let it come through. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for others, because you might not be uh, miserable yourself, but uh, you might be making others miserable, like your parents or your child or your next-door neighbor or your mate. Let it come and let it go. And when I say let, I rarely say let. What else could I say? Is there another word than let it go? Uh, don't do anything. Um, wave goodbye. Wave hello. It's the idea that something looks like it's moving when it comes, when it appears and shows up, nothing. No comment, no interference, no anything at all. No, no post-it notes on anything.
So when I say no post-it notes, I'm not saying that the post-it notes won't, won't arise spontaneously. Those are also things that are walking through the door. So nothing belongs to anybody. If you think you own something, uh, it's, <laughs> you're going to lose it. So how do we do that? We use personal forms, sit down, the, the way we teach it here is sit down, hold still, eyes are open, look at the wall, this is called shikantaza, or just precisely this. Sit down and watch the way you continue to jump to conclusions, jump to inclusions, jump to exclusions, jump, 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 all fueling, spinning around the the merry-go-round of ego, of self-centeredness. When you begin to see it, you it, 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 it can even start to feel um, difficult because you realize you're starting to really see through this stronger awareness how really crazy you've been functioning over the last, whatever, quarter century. Don't stop it. Don't start it. Don't push it away. Don't do anything with it. To use a metaphor, to do something prematurely is the way the, the self-centeredness wants to function. As soon as it gets any glimmer of something being wrong, it wants to cover it up. This is called ignorance. Or it wants to explain it or blame. This is called passion. Or it wants to fight with it, which is obviously aggression. Use, the, use a metaphor. If you're, if you're going to really work with something, you need to know what it is fundamentally before you pull out the scalpel, scalpel and try to do open heart surgery from three miles away. First, get to the patient. Find, find the, the difficulty. And then you may or may, may not need to do something about it. You probably won't need to do something about it because you will see what it is. It's called awareness. Awareness of what this is. That's when the space in which things occur and the very things that are occurring are not two separate things. Or not. Maybe I'm all wrong. What do you think, Bruce? Am I right or wrong? Good answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Shoshi. Are, are doing and thinking separate things? Well, those are both really powerful concepts that we, we impute or think all kinds of things about when you do something there's all kinds of attendant ideas around those. So they may show up either way. What's it referring to? What's the question referring to? Uh, mundane forms. So Brushing your teeth? Well, anything that is an activity, whether it be in the mind or in the, in the physical world, okay. are, are, they, are they not all forms that is that what you're saying everything that is done is a form some there's some kind of formal structure to it is yes. there anything that isn't a form i don't know what do you think if there's something that isn't a form i'm probably going to not going to know about it if i said there was then i then that's more like magic the mundane path leads to some kind of something. The, the um, path of awareness leads to awareness. 
there may be phenomena there, there may not be. Could, could be that a mundane form like brushing your teeth is also a super mundane form? Of course, would have to be. But it might not be one that you can use as a stepping stone to the ultimate, to nirvana or to realization of your true nature. It may not be made because you may, it may take you in circles. But yes, chop wood, carry water. Or, or is it rather carry water, chop wood? How's that go? Yes, it could be. Fundamentally, everything is it, everywhere you look. But the, the hope and fear mind, the ego mind, the passion, aggression, and ignorance minds, is always strategizing for advantage, strategizing to protect an imaginary self. And so that if, once that is seen, when we begin to see that by slowing way down, sitting down, holding still, we begin to see that, then a lot of the wrinkles come out of that situation. A lot of things that are hiding out here and there, the tributary streams flowing in the darkness. So those things start to show up as not separate. Go ahead. Well, what makes a form mundane? Because I said so. I don't understand. Me either. I mean, it's, if we get into that, we start going back and forth. We start having a conversation. I don't have conversations up here. I might in the other room, but I don't have them up here. I, I respond to your question. So go ahead. What makes it mundane? Uh, well, I'm trying to get specific, but it's, it's a squirrely little area. that I don't it's, it, is, it is squirrely. I don't mean to be disrespectful to you. The way I was no, saying it, no, I don't mean to. I don't mean that. I'm just saying when I say because I said so, I'm saying because anybody said so. You can make anything just by projecting onto it, naming it. It suddenly will hold still for thirty seconds and be what you called it. This is why the world is so difficult. It's so difficult to see people who are, on one level, are extremely intelligent, bright people who are totally spinning in some kind of orbit that is very dangerous to themselves and others. We all know I don't need to go into any of those politics of experience, but they're they're everywhere. Any other questions? Andrew. What awakens? Nothing. Everything's already awake. Nothing has ever slept ever. This is the ultimate ultimate understanding is that. So there's nothing to do. There's nothing to wake up. That's why uh, teachers like uh, Long Chumpa talk in the way they do. Because they, they see this and they, they I don't know what they think. I, but from what I've read, it looks like, well, it looks like he's just saying that. So nothing awakens. But something <laughs> might understand that nothing has ever slept. So that could be a form of awakening. May, I mean, it could show up lots of different ways, but it's not separate from the shape of your ears. It's not separate from your particular karma. You awaken as yourself and as the Buddha or as the awakened one at the same time. And even, even that is extra because the time area is not exactly correct because nothing has actually occurred. But if you, unless you realize that, then there's always going to be the suspicion that you're missing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
You want to say something about missing things? Give it up. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. I know this is going to be a hard question. That's why I'm installing you. <laughs> is awareness not a form? The, the, the word uh, is, of course, a form. It's a structure that points to something, and everyone uh, has a different idea about or adds on to something what that is. The only way you can know what that is is to not know. Because then it can only be what it is. As soon as you say use the use the concept. But if you try to travel into it to get some kind of control, it's like, you know, it's like you uh, jumped up in the air into a parachute that there was nobody in. And you thought, well, I'll use that. You see that metaphor? I don't. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm not trying to be... Um, uh, trying to uh, uh, take away what the insight that is arising with you about that. I'm just saying, uh, go further into it without reading any of the signposts. Go further into that. It becomes dark. The ego mind is terrified of going into that darkness. This is why we do the sitting practice of meditation. Sit down, hold still. I don't care if you're a Buddhist or not. If you're a Buddhist, then I can talk to you about that. If you want to be uh, nothing at all, that's fine. The only thing I would say that I do promote is, it's a good idea if you're listening to me, you should train your mind. What do I mean by that? Sit down, hold still, find out who it is that you think you are. Because it's basically just mistaken identity. Over here and over there. In other words, this subject, object. Go ahead, Michael. So to speak of it makes it a form only if you do it. If I do it, it doesn't make it. <laughs> yes, makes it a form because we're we're incredibly creative. Uh, we, I mean, we're so creative that we could that you can bring anything about. This is why uh, some of the people who are, understand this in some way are so amazing at doing, uh, at swaying other people, at manipulating people, is because you can make anything seem real and valuable and palpable. In, in, in a realm where, uh, we call it the human realm, where everything is running on passion and on passion, aggression, and ignorance. All, all those three poisons look like this. Anything that arises, if you do anything with it, you've just covered up the, that which sees. You've just covered up the, the, under the, the awareness aspect. You don't need to know. Just don't abandon anything. Don't agree with anything. Don't object to anything. If there's any practice at all, you could say include. Just include everything. If something doesn't want to be included, it'll say no thanks. <clears throat> One more. What is the danger of agreeing with someone? <clears throat> I don't know if there, I would say it's a danger, but it's just a, there's a circularity. Listen to everyone. The most uh, amazing form of generosity that totally go goes unnoticed all the time with everybody is give everything your attention. Give everything. Don't miss anything. Give, and if you can't do that, if you're focusing one th on one thing, because you ignore everything else. So give everything your attention. And but you don't necessarily have to understand in some kind of relative way what is being said. 
you don't have to get it. Whatever is coming towards you, you'll understand just as much as you need to understand. This doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to that and ask questions. Oh, what do you mean? Do you mean this? Do you mean that? It sounds like last week you were saying it this way. Now you seem to be saying it. I'm not saying you can't have a conversation with somebody about it. But do that uh, in, in terms of including the person in your life. Don't do it with an agenda of figuring out what they're saying. Because you're never going to know what they're saying. They don't know what they're saying. Human beings who are stuck in the self-centeredness use language all the time to keep covering that up, covering it up, covering it up. It's constant. <clears throat> and it will happen unless you begin to turn around and look at what this is and who this is. It probably will, like anything else, momentum. It'll just keep going until the next time you pass away into uh, no person's land and then fool around there for a while and then come back and try this again. I think I got it down. I think I'm ready to go back. <laughs> How do we know when our communication has an agenda behind it? I, I think it shows up in terms of being uh, whatever is happening back and forth when there's a when the feeling of, of success and the feeling of failure, you buy into it and don't see it as just things that move. It's just phenomena. You, you personalize your emotions. And you, the way we do that is we think there's someone feeling something. Someone who has realized this, and I, I've not shook hands with everybody that's realized something, but the way it looks over here, if you understood what this is, then you're still going to have maybe even more intense feelings. You're no longer shutting anything out. You're ready to, you know, you're ready to die any minute. There is no past and future makeshift. They're not real. They're unreal. There's only this. So if you have some kind of emotion about getting negative about something that's happening or getting positive, that's a little bit more sneaky, is... Uh, I'm not saying, I'd say enjoy the emotion, enjoy the negativity. Or, ooh, probably doesn't sound like that in your mind, but but you feel really good about something. You ever notice how sometimes you feel really good and you really look for a reason? See, it's because I'm drinking more water. It's because I don't live at Soka Goji anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We try to make use of the plus and minus aspect of our life to, to corral ourselves into some kind of a... Finally got that figured out. Phew, that was a, took me a while. And I'm not saying that those things aren't happening, but it's much more complicated than that. It's much more. It's so complicated that don't even go there. Just include. So when the negativity comes up, all the doors are all open. All, there's no, not even any building anymore. You might want to keep a roof. Because of the heavy things that fall. <laughs> but whatever comes, if you, you have intense negative feelings, don't you? Make friends with yourself. Don't no longer, if you can't, if you haven't made friends with those situations, in other words, let them come and go. But like uh, uh, unruly children, the neighbor's children. If they're yours, you bank them. So come and, come and go and come and go. And in this way, you're not, you're not building up any kind of a uh, failure, any kind of success for some kind of identity that's unreal in the first place, in the second place, the third place, the fourth place. So whatever, whatever happens, 
the, the practice part, the path part will be include. At some point, you don't have to include anything because you're not separate from anything. Any emotion you have is Buddha nature. Positive, negative, neutral, no motion, no emotion. Everything that happens is not separate from the awakened one or state. There's not even a one. That's extra. But we have to say something. More? When you were talking about karma and opening all the doors and letting it come in, I think earlier you said if you're not miserable, then you're probably making other people miserable. So do it for others. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> You're not miserable. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Could opening all the doors and letting that karma come in um, make other people miserable? Oh, yes. Yes, it may. It may. But let's step back 18 inches and just work with us. Make friends with us. Work on this. Make friends with this, because otherwise any thing that you have not looked at here and you have not inspected, you've not made friends with, or whatever you want to call it, or uncovered or seen, witnessed, going on and on, if you haven't seen it, then you, you go out into the world and anything that happens out here starts to resonate with something un, un, uninspected or unknown. Suddenly, the anger you're feeling, you think it's out there. And actually, it's just the activity is triggering. Well, this is resonating with that, resonating with that, and suddenly you're feeling anger. It's not that if you know about that, you won't still feel it, but you'll know that it's yours. It's called the ability to respond or responsibility. Responsibility is not, not about blame. It's about understanding the nature of cause and effect deep in your heart. Pretty hard to think about. This, is, this gets paranoid. And pretty hard to feel it because feelings lie all the time. This, this does not lie. It doesn't, doesn't think. There's no past, there's no future. There's not even any space here because there isn't anything but space. If there were space, then there'd be things that weren't space. And since, there, uh, since that's not true, then there's just space, which is not space. Right, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to tease Bruce a little bit. Yes. A uh, question from Sanho uh, in Oklahoma. Yes. He asks, is there such a thing as too much form? You know, uh, the way I would address that, I think that's up to you. I mean, I could say, I can look at somebody else and think, uh, and look at them and think, well, they're not giving me permission to say anything, so I'm not saying anything. I don't give advice, particularly. Well, a couple times. But generally, it's, it's like, you know, I allow that person to do what they, I don't know what their karma is about. I don't know what they need to go through. Maybe they need to be uh, practice Christianity for the next 200 lifetimes. Maybe they need to be an atheist or an agnostic or go back and forth between this and that and this and that, as, as Trungpa Rinpoche used to say, uh, running around in the spiritual supermarket. And maybe they need really intense, strong forms, like uh, uh, the, the, the Tibetan uh, sage Milarepa living at the tail end of his life uh, in a cave going without much to eat other than nettles. So, strong forms for him. So I, I don't know, I think possibly what could be done is just look at the form. Uh, the forms we do here are fairly traditional. We've modified them somewhat to, to fit with the culture we're in and with, uh, with paying respect to the Tibetan tradition and the Zen tradition. 
Uh, but this isn't exactly uh, the culture of Tibet or Japan. Probably obvious that it's not. But it is talking about an awareness practice that is based on having forms. So you need a, need a temple, you need a meditation room or a hall or a bedroom or a hallway. You need some kind of a form that's not shifting around. You need some kind of, some kind of form in time, the, the apparent uh, moving of things through space. Sit down, hold still, stay there for a few hours. Do it, repeat, repeat, repeat. So that's the forms could, uh, you say, I'm trying to think, uh, Sanho, the way that in which you're asking it. I, I think it's unlikely that you're going to have that difficulty yourself, just knowing you. Um, I would say if you have per, uh, personal ideas about that, we could certainly talk to it, talk, address it one-on-one uh, -on -one at some point. But I, generally, I would say probably not. Further questions? Say to Kind of along those same lines, if you've adopted a personal spiritual form, um, will you know when it's time to change it up or try something else, take something away? So um, I think that's it's complicated because if you, uh, if you have a teacher, then it might be a good idea to talk to that person about it. And not that you would have to, you could move things around uh, somewhat. Um, I, I think some people kind of intuitively know they need to, to sit in different ways. Some people need to face out. They don't want to face the wall. I'm not against that particularly. I think face the wall, sit further away from the wall. Um, some forms we don't, uh, here we have it set up a certain way. So people come and practice these forms. The people who live here, uh, follow a form that's six and a half hours a day of sitting meditation, which is quite a bit, plus, uh, eight, eight eight hours a, a week or more of uh, studying the sutras, studying the traditional texts, and discussing those as sangha. And uh, then just people living here, and then other people coming from different places and staying here for... And it's a strong container. People that come here notice this is, uh, has some kind of a quality to it that, that seems to be not moving around too much. So it feels... Uh, uh, it feels safe. You can actually look at your self-centeredness and, self and your ego and, and actually get an idea of what's going on there personally yourself without somebody like me telling you about it. I, I'm just saying sit and then. So if you're thinking about changing your altar or something like that, I'm, I'm not sure where you're going with it. But Well, uh, it, it, you've talked about um, during meditation, if you're going to hold a particular mudra, stick with it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that... You know, you, you said that you would know if you need to have a personal form of some sort. And I was just wondering if that same knowledge would arise um, during the course of practicing yeah. a form. I, I, I think it probably would. Uh, but it varies. I mean, if you're, uh, the other way I say it is uh, if you're, if you're, you know, going, if you're vacillating, then don't do anything. Don't change it. Don't go back and forth. And this this mudra, what resting the mind or cosmic mudra, they're both symmetrical. So I think the idea is to be symmetrical rather than meditate this way. Although there's, uh, there's images of uh, the bodhisattvas that are sitting kind of cockeyed and holding flowers and things. Of course, they've they've already attained awakening, so they get to do that. 
more. Hold on. Earlier you used the word dispassion. Yes. What's the uh, relationship between compassion and dispassion? So uh, dispassion is uh, a pa passion that has no passionator. Did I just make that up? So it has no centralized one who's feeling something or not feeling something. No positional reference point on it. And compassion is uh, to not separate yourself from the suffering of the world and also not rush in to fix it and not abandon it. Don't do anything with it unless, you're, uh, unless you have permission. Compassion is not a feeling. I'm not saying there couldn't be some attendant feelings with it, of course, but it's not sentiment. It's not feeling sorry for people. Compassion is to... Um, um, maybe one of the highest forms of compassion is mind your own business. Trust people's confusion. If you can't trust people's confusion, then uh, that's if, if you're if you're suspicious of what's happening, and you're trying to get them to not be confused because you have an agenda about being uh, some kind of bodhisattva or something, might be going too far. Let people have their confusion so that they can awaken. Don't fix anybody. More? Good question. Not on that. Go ahead. Something else you said earlier, well, with the right versus wrong. And then the Buddhist teachings, even in some of the Mahayana schools, they say the path is the Noble Eightfold Path, and that comes right out with the right intention, yes. the right understanding. Complete samyak. What about it? So why is the word right used? It's just our translation of samyak. It's just, I mean, you, you could say right. I, I think, you know, you have to remember the time in which that happened. There, you had uh, lots of young kids who were being trained by the Buddha. And what, what else is he going to do? He's got uh, thousands of students. Everybody wants uh, their 15 or 18-year-old to go and study with the Buddha, probably. And so he needs to make up a bunch of rules. And of course, don't kill, don't steal, don't, uh, don't, don't be untruthful, and so on, or all over the place. You know, lots of cultures support those approaches. But uh, my understanding of the of the uh, samyak is is that it's a complete thorough where you really see what the situation is, rather than just as an arbitrary uh, stopping point where you can't do that. In our, in our tradition of 16 precepts, which uh, two people will be receiving Jukai, our precepts here today. I can't remember who they are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be, you observe those. And the reason we observe them is that it helps us to be in a situation where we're not, we're not so terrified that we're, we're operating out of our, we're leading with our awareness and the, all the precepts and the ethics and all that and all of the concepts and the thinking process is just behind. But we need to lead with the awareness. Because otherwise, if you're leading with your concepts and ideas, you're actually, you're not living your life. You're living inside of a bubble. It's called belief. You think some, some things are right and some things are wrong. That's extremely arrogant. But probably it doesn't help to say that particularly. Is 
is there are, are personal forms are you are you suggesting that they're a practice? They can be. I'm sure you've noticed if you if you practice the the, the forms the whether it's a you know, white tara practice, a, a creation completion practices, or just sitting, just a, a doing nothing kind of practice. Uh, I'm I'm sure you've noticed that when if you do a lot of that, you lived here at the monastery for a while, so you did a lot of practices back when. I don't know what your practice is now, but you better ramp it up. <laughs> <laughs> so we notice that when we're doing very mundane things, that the this is called the boundary between meditation and the post-meditation starts to go away. It doesn't mean that suddenly you're meditating all the time, but it doesn't mean you're not meditating all the time. It doesn't mean that everything that's mundane is now crawling around inside the spiritual realm. We're not, we're not getting into some kind of contamination idea. The fundamental nature is not separate. So therefore, your toothbrush uh, is uh, a door jade. Not, not, we're not trying to live in some kind of fantasy realm, but you're, you're, you, Everything is sacred from the point of view of uh, understanding this, these teachings. To use a relative term of sacred and profane, uh, everything is sacred. It's not two. Sacred and profane are not separate from each other. That doesn't mean you should go eat dog shit. What, oh, what, when or do, does form personal forms of, of form practice become formless practice? It's, I don't think it's a when so much. It's not like, ah, oh, now that's happening. If something happens and starts to happen, it's going to go away because of the three marks of existence. Everything that arises as com compounded or something or a thing or identifiable is going down. It's going to go back into the elements. So it doesn't occur. Go ahead. So why why call it form practice if it if it is formless practice? I, I don't know. Got to say something about it. it Bruce, that, help me here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 does the mundane support the super mundane? They aren't separate. But until you see that, we need to work with them where they need to work with it where it's at. You need to come in, sit down, hold still, uh, put your put your. Uh, um, the um, prarabdha karma, the karma of your body-mind right now, in, sit, sit the whole thing down and watch what continues to move because what, what continues to move, you know, the diaphragm is moving and the blood flow is flowing and so on like that, but also the way the mind is working is just needs to be observed. And one of the observations that shows up is how much we keep objecting to things and agreeing with other things. We, we just can't hardly stand to just Watch the water flow, watch the river flow, watch the clouds flow. It's difficult to do that without some kind of commentary or objection or agree or uh, agreement or turning away. I think we're at the end of our sojourn. Very good. Thank you so much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our yellow champos. I'd also like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We appreciate and depend on your financial support. I'd also like to call your attention to the fact that Sokazan will be in Kalamazoo tomorrow evening giving a talk at 6 o'clock and then in Grand Rapids on uh, Tuesday. Tomorrow's Monday night.